Get the credential you need to control the risk of Legionella and other waterborne pathogens in building water systems. Become an ASSE Certified Legionella Water Safety and Management Specialist so you can crash that Legionella party in your pipes. Guided by the world's expert Legionella party crasher, Dr. Janet Stout, Special Pathogens Laboratory and IAPMO give you the first and only live virtual interactive ASSE approved certification training. In just three days, you get the knowledge you need to sit for the ASSE 12,080 exam. Our ASSE certified teaching team has already trained more than 400 professionals with one of the highest pass rates. Time is running out to register for the last class of 2022. This class will be October 3rd through 5th. Group discounts are available. To learn more, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash special. Once again, that's scalinguph2o.com forward slash special. Welcome to Scaling Up, the podcast where we scale up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. I'm Trace Blackmore, the host of the Scaling Up H2O podcast. And folks, what an awesome week. We are at the Association of Water Technologies annual conference and expo. It is my favorite week of the year. Well, it's my second. It's my third favorite. My my first two favorites are when we do technical training for the Association of Water Technologies, but a close third, we do it two weeks, so that's why that's one and two. Number three is always the AWT convention. Always so many wonderful vendors in our water treatment field that are out to figure out better ways to help us. They're, of course, here. They are trying to teach us about their new wares. And then there are all of you, all you water treaters out there. And we've got some vendors that are members of the Scaling Up Nation as well. So by all means, I did not mean to exclude you. Scaling Up Nation, if you are out at the AWT in Vancouver, please come and see me. I've already heard from so many of you thus far. I want to hear from you. So if you haven't come up and said hi I want to meet you. I love meeting members of the Scaling Up Nation. And of course, what I absolutely love is having a podcast. And how do I have a podcast? Well, that is because I'm always asking, what is it that you want me to talk about? What are some items that you want me to cover on this fine podcast? What guests do you want me to have? And then through your information, we make that happen and you get to make your own podcast. How cool is that? You know, speaking of cool things, here at AWT, you see a lot of women walking around the AWT conference hall. And we even have at the AWT, the Women of Water Committee. And, and they're just great. And they've invited me to be an honorary member. I've actually spoken at some of their meetings. I've always said that every woman I know in the water treatment industry is wildly successful. Every single one of them. So it is a great career for everybody, not just men, not just women, but I will tell you, we do not have as many women in this industry as we should. 
And if you are a woman and you're listening to my voice and this industry sounds interesting to you, by all means, check it out. Because once again, every woman I know in the water treatment industry is wildly successful. Now, here's some neat statistics that we have on the Scaling Up H2O podcast. And I absolutely love my staff because they're always out there and they're trying to figure out what is going on with the podcast. How do we make it better? How are people responding to us? Now, the unfortunate thing is there's no steadfast and, and ultimately true way to get the numbers each and every time. So we have several services that we belong to, and we're constantly pulling data to try to see if we can make sense to this. It'd be great if we just had one service that we could go to and it told us everything. Unfortunately, that is not the case. So all of that is to tell you this bit of information. According to a 2018 census poll, 90% of water treaters are men and 10% are women. That's an interesting statistic. Another interesting statistic, and this one is pertaining to this very podcast, 45% of our listeners are women, 55% of our listeners are men. I have to tell you, Nation, that statistic blew me away. As you know, I have always been trying to support anybody that wants to get into this industry. They need to check it out, regardless of if they're male or if they are female. Well, the fact that our listeners being 45% women shows me that we have a, a lot of women in this industry. So of 10% being women in the industry, 45% of our listenership are female. That's just a staggering statistic for me. I would love to know more about what that means, why that is. I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm just glad that you are listening to the Scaling Up H2O podcast because you do that I have a podcast for somebody to listen to. Hey, here are a couple other things that are coming up. Now, you can check the Association of Water Technologies Convention off of your list. Another item you want to put on your calendar is the Association of Metropolitan Water Agencies. October 30th through November 2nd in Savannah, Georgia, they're having their Executive Management Conference. If this sounds like something you want to find more about, and if you are specifically in the drinking water industry, go to our show notes page. We'll have information there. We'll have an events calendar where you can see all the things coming up. But by all means, do not take your hands off of 10 and 2. Do not wreck your vehicle. It's not worth it. We've taken all the notes for you, and we put them on a very easy-to-read show notes page. You can get there by going to scalinguph2o.com and navigating over to our show notes page. Speaking of that, if you have not gone to Scaling Up H2O in a while, what are you thinking? There are so many resources on that website. It is amazing how you can have an issue, 
You type in what you want information, and with well over 250 episodes, we have most likely got it covered. You can listen to a podcast about it. You can even read the show notes about it. And most of our show notes all have extra data so you can become stronger in that particular item. It's just amazing all the things that's on the Scaling Up H2O webpage. Another conference you might want to check out is the International Water Conference. They're having their conference November 6th through 10th in Orlando, Florida. While you're there, maybe you can go to Walt Disney World. That's definitely one of my favorite places. And we will have all of that information on our show notes page. And then finally, the International Water Association's Biofilm Conference is going to be in Thailand December 6th through 8th. And if biofilms is what you get down on, then by all means, you check this out. It has everything you want to know about biofilms. Nation, something I want to share with you, and I love sharing it with you each and every week, is bringing you a brand new Thinking on Water with James. Here's James McDonald. Welcome to Thinking on Water with James the segment where we don't give you the answers, we give you the topics and questions for you to think about, drop by drop. Now let's get to it. In this week's episode, we're thinking about cooling tower side stream filtration. When and why would you recommend side stream filtration for a cooling tower system? What are the benefits? What types of filters are available? Which should you use? How big of a filter do you need? Why filter a side stream instead of a full stream? Does the filter have a waste stream and where does it go? Take this week to think about cooling tower side stream filtration and what it means to the cooling systems you manage. Be sure to follow hashtag TOW22 and hashtag ScalingUpH2O to share your thoughts on each week's Thinking on Water. I'm James McDonald and I look forward to learning more from you. Scaling Up Nation, I truly believe that every cooling tower needs filtration. I wish they would come from the factory with that. Unfortunately, that puts too much of a cost and not everybody wants that. But you and I know as an industrial water treater that if we got that junk in the system, we can't do our job. And how do we get the junk out? Well, we have to filter it out. If we don't have all that particulate matter, our job becomes so much easier so maybe you can get on the bandwagon with me and encourage every single one of your cooling tower owners to put some sort of filtration on their system. And of course, James's question is, we are going to learn so much more about side stream filtration. So if you don't know anything about filtration, this is a great way to start. And you will be amazed at how much easier it is to treat a system that has a filter on it. Nation, I saved this episode. It's one of my favorite episodes. Of course, I'm at the AWT conference, which is one of my favorite conferences. This is a pinks and blues episode. And people always ask me, why do I call them pinks and blues? Well, my dad used to refer to drop count test as running his pinks and blues. So if you run a hardness test, it's blue and it's pink. So I'm pretty sure that's where that came from. 
And we all have questions around testing. We all have questions around everything in water treatment. So I just thought it would be fun to pay honor to my father and call anytime we're answering questions from the audience, a pinks and blues session. And if you didn't know where that was, that's what that means. He also used to call running pinks and blues Betty Crockering. And that was as if you went into a store, you bought some cake mix, you measured out all the ingredients, and then you had to wait for the oven to get hot, and then you put your stuff in there. And the reason he said all that was we didn't have time to wait for the oven to preheat. We didn't have time to go search for ingredients. He would say that to say that I did not have everything in place. He would always arrange his test kit. So just by feel, he would know where everything is and he wouldn't look at his test kit when he would run tests. Now I learned to do that. And the reason I did is because I was so much faster. I, folks, if you're reading procedures to run your most common test, please learn those better. Don't just learn the procedures though, learn how the tests work. So if you see something funky going on with your test, yes, funky is a bona fide water treatment term, you know what's going on. If you don't understand your tests, you need to understand your tests better or all you're doing is just getting garbage input. Maybe you're getting good input, but you can't verify it. Henceforth, it is garbage. Anyway, with all of that, also, make sure you're trying to run your test as efficiently as possible. You want to be effective with it and get good results, but you want to be efficient as well. Just think, if you could cut off 10 minutes every time you tested and you tested a couple of accounts a day, you would multiply that times five and you could save hours in a week. You could save a dozen hours in a month. That's real time. When people say, I don't have time to do something extra, well, I say you don't have time to figure out how you can get more time. And I promise there is a way that you can become more efficient at whatever it is that you are doing. How did I get on this rant? I don't know. I was telling you about pinks and blues and how that came from and the motivation that that gave me. So I hope that motivates you. So this is a pinks and blues episode, but this is gonna be a different pinks and blues episode because normally I talk about water treatment. And a couple of times I brought some people on to talk about investing. I've actually talked about investing on occasion. You know, I coach a couple people through the Rising Tide Mastermind. I also work with people all over the water treatment industry. And I'm always discouraged that our school system, especially here in the United States, does not teach finance, does not teach how to make your money work as hard as you do. And that just disheartens me. Now, my I tell you a lot about my father. I'm going to tell you now about my grandfather. My grandfather was a PhD chemist. He was, he was my hero, folks. He was just an amazing man. And he understood finances. And I remember at a very early age, he will say that you will work hard for your money. You need to make sure your money is working equally as hard as you do. And I don't remember exactly when he taught me that, 
but I do remember the first lesson that he taught me because he would always have the financial section of the newspaper and I would come downstairs. I was, I was little and I would always want to know what my grandfather was doing. And he taught me stocks as much as I could understand it back at that age. When I got a little bit older, he had me pick out some stocks. And whenever he would call, we lived in Virginia, he lived in Arizona. Whenever he would call, I needed to be able to report back how the two stocks, I think it was, that I picked, how they were doing. Were they up? Were they down? Now, that I didn't really know anything else besides that. I just knew that I was really loving spending time with my grandfather and him being proud in me and something that he taught me. So that just created this incredible interest to understand finance. Now, you know I have been in water treatment my entire life. What you might not know is that at one time, I was a financial advisor. When I got right out of college, I got a couple of licenses, which I do not have current now. So I'm going on record saying I'm not giving any financial advice. I, I don't represent any firm, nothing like that. You need to go out and find a professional. But when I first got out of college, I was a financial professional for a couple of years. And I learned a tremendous amount. And one of the things I learned was that was not my dream job. And the job that I was running from was water treatment. And my dad saw that I was not happy at this firm. And he said, you always seemed happy when you were working with me. How about you come work for me? And I did that. And it has been the best decision that I have ever made. But because my grandfather invested me, because uh, that firm invested in me, because I invested in me by learning all I could about the wares of that firm, I've been very sound in my financial decisions, and that has allowed me to be able to make better choices now that I'm older. I'm not going to say I'm old, but now that I'm older, I have more freedoms to make choices because I made choices when I was younger, and a lot of times those choices were unpopular I didn't go on certain trips because I had to pay myself first before I did something fun. That was a rule that I had. I always made sure that I paid myself. And then I have some obligations, of course, maybe a car payment or whatever, the things you need to live on. And I also give some money to my church. That's always the first bucket. That's the first thing that I give and everything else is secondary to that. And the last thing that I take from my paycheck is anything fun. Now, you might be listening to that and you might be thinking that is not a fun way to live. Well, back in the beginning, it probably wasn't, but it sure is now. I can make decisions that others can't because I've had that discipline. Now, all of that being said, when is the best time to get started with this? Well, 20 years ago, or 40 years ago, or 30 years ago at least, when I did it, well, if you don't have a time machine, if your DeLorean is not working, your flux capacitor is on the fritz, it's okay, the second best time is today. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how and why you need to get your money to do what my grandfather taught me, to work as hard as you do. By the way, if you want a good 
podcast about general financial items. I recorded an interview with Scotty Neal on episode 185. He's a great friend of mine, and he does a great entrance into the world of financial decisions. So I would encourage you to listen to episode 85. But on this episode, I want to talk specifically about some things that you should know, some things that you should be doing. And I'm going to start out with if you have a company plan like a 401k or some sort of savings program, you need to take advantage of it. I can't tell you how many people that I have talked to and they say that they cannot afford to contribute to their company's 401k or whatever your company has. That is horse feathers, people. You cannot afford not to take advantage of that. You are leaving your compensation on the table. You are telling people that you do not want extra money. Now, the reason you're doing that is because you're probably not budgeting well. You're probably not making the best decisions or I don't know your situation. There might be something else totally going on. So I don't want to offend anybody out there. You know who you are. You know what you have to deal with. But if you can make a decision to make better decisions and you're able to do that, take advantage of all those company plans because they will give you free money. Most companies will allow you to put something like 3 to 4% of your total income into this plan, and they will match it dollar for dollar. So here is what I like to tell people. And again, I'm not licensed. This isn't advice. This is just some things that I do. And when I'm casually talking with people, this is what I ask them to consider. Whatever the maximum is that you can put in that the company will match, that's the minimum that you need to put into that program. If you can put 4% in and they will match 4%, well, guess what? You just doubled your money, regardless of how the market does. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in a moment. Regardless of how the market does, you've just doubled your money. And there's all sorts of tax advantages with programs like that. That's not on this show. Please, if you have a program and you're not taking advantage of it, look at it that you are leaving money on the table. Your employer created that program to help you. They want to invest in your future. Please, as an employer, let them help you with your future. But you have to take the first step and you have to help yourself. So for anybody that's not doing that, please call your HR department, send them an email and say, I want information to start taking advantage of this. Whatever you can put in to that maximum that you can contribute, that they will match, that's what you want to do. And you might be saying, well, 4% is X of my regular take home. So what? You are going to make so much more. And if you're budgeting right, you really shouldn't miss 4%. You can do it. I know you can. And if you don't think you can't, or if you need some more information, find a financial advisor out there and they will coach you through all of this. There are some wonderful people out there and that's all they do is they try to help you understand what we're talking about today. 
And of course, they make a small commission off of that. That's how they make their livelihood. Never feel bad of paying somebody a commission for that. If they're earning it, they should receive it. However, if they're not doing their job, find somebody that is. All that to say, take advantage of whatever company plan that you have. Now, let's go over and above that. My grandfather says that you work hard, your money should work as hard as you do. Well, how in the heck do you get your money working hard like you? Well, it's one of the wonders of the world. It's compound interest. This was one of the lessons my grandfather taught me at a very early age. And he actually put dollars on the table and showed how interest compounds. So essentially, I put an investment in, that grows interest. And then when I get interest on the next time frame, whatever it grew to, I got interest on that. So I start compounding the interest. So for fun, I did this calculation. If you want to see any of these graphs, I've got all of these on my show notes page. So I invested a theoretical $1,000 at 10% for 10 years. So all I did was put $1,000 into an account that yielded 10% over a 10-year period. At the end of the first year, I got 10% on that. So I only put $1,000 in but now I have $1,100. Well, the next year, I'm going to get 10% on that $1,100. Remember, I only put $1,000 in. Well, now at the end of that year, I have $1,210. Well, for the next year, I'm going to get 10% on that, and that equals $1,331. And if I extrapolate that all the way out for 10 years, I invested $1,000, and at the end of 10 years, I have $2,593.74. How cool is that? It just cost me $1,000. Now, that's the time value of money. Folks, if you are spending stuff on cups of coffee and you're not putting things into your 401k, you are not honoring the time value of money because in just 10 years, we grew that account a little more than $1,500. If you bought that $10 cup of Starbucks, how much is that worth 10 years later? So maybe if you don't have money and you're doing things like going to Starbucks or maybe eating your lunch out, you can start packing your lunch. You can start making your own coffee. I know that's not fun, but at 5 and $10 a pop and eating lunch is even more than that, you are quickly going to be able to find money that you originally didn't have so you can start investing in yourself. And when you invest in yourself, that's how you get your money to work as hard as you do. So now that we're here, let's talk a little bit about where you can put your money. There's two places that you can put your money. You can either own something or you can loan something. So own it or loan it. And we're gonna talk about each one of those. So let's talk about own it. And let's talk about a house. Most everybody understands a house. So let's say you buy a house for $100,000 and it appreciates to $200,000. So you just got a gain of $100,000 in your investment. 
And this is what we call equity. So any anything that you own within this property, as far as how much you put into the home minus what you owe on the home, that equals equity. And you can borrow against equity. Banks love to do that because if you don't pay back, they will take your home from you gladly to recover the capital that you borrowed. And let's say now you go to sell that $200,000 home that only cost you $100,000. Well, folks, Uncle Sam's going to want his money. And I know we're in different countries, so that's just the way we say taxes over here in the States. They're going to charge you a capital gains tax on $100,000. But I start out with the house because everybody gets it. Everybody just understands when they buy and sell houses how that works. Now, I'm a firm believer, and I believe Dave Ramsey says this. By the way, if you have not checked out Dave Ramsey, he is the guru of helping people pay off debt. And if you're paying off credit card debt, most likely you've made decisions that you need something before you can officially buy it outright. And the credit card companies say, yeah, we'll help you do that. And as that item is depreciating, which means it's worth less, you are paying interest on this. And a lot of times it's a lot of interest. And if you look up how much that item really cost you, you probably didn't need it as bad as you thought. So if this sounds like you, Don't be ashamed. There's a lot of people that are in this boat, and there's so many companies out there that want you to be in this boat. Go to Dave Ramsey's website. We'll have that on our show notes page, and he will guide you how to get out of debt. He is just phenomenal of that. So let's say we're not talking about that. You have some money now that you want to invest in your own financial vehicle for your future. You said no to the coffee. You said no to going out to lunch every single day. And now you have some money to invest in some sort of vehicle. And we're going to talk about different vehicles and how to invest in there. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about stocks first. I know you've heard about stocks. Maybe you don't understand what stocks are. So I'm going to do a very high overview of stocks. And simply put, you're owning a very small piece of the company that you are buying stock in. And many of these companies will pay you dividends. They'll pay you a percentage of owning that stock. And a lot of times you'll look at stock and it will be a 10% return but now it also has a 3% dividend that it's paying back. So, hey, that's actually 13%. How cool is that? So don't always look at the returns. Also check out the dividends. Again, a financial advisor is a great person to help you go over some of these items. So let's say we picked out a stock. We liked the name of the company. We did some research. We thought it was a good buy. Somebody told us about it. Our financial advisor told us about it. Whatever it was, we're going to buy some stock and we're going to put an initial investment in for $1,000, just like what we did when we started this podcast, but we had it grow for 10% for 10 years. Well, this time we're putting it in stock and we are going to add $100 a month and it's going to grow at 10% average for 10 years. Let's actually look what happens after a 10-year 
period. So we already know about compound interest, but what we're now adding into the mix is what's called systematic investing and specifically dollar cost averaging. Because we put an initial investment in, we've got that, that's gonna grow, but now we're systematically putting the same amount of money in at the same time each and every month. We're not trying to time the market, we're just setting it up automatically, it's going in there. At the end of 10 years, our money has actually grown to $21,718.65. So all we've really put into that account over a 10-year period is $13,000. You can see how systematically adding monthly investments really help that. And here is why that really helps that. There's this thing called dollar cost averaging. And if we put in this equation that we got 10% all the time, well, folks, that doesn't happen in the market. The market goes up, the market goes down. And when we systematically invest, we're going to buy all over the map. We might buy this stock at exactly 10%, or we might buy it at 40%. We might buy it at 2%. By the way, that's great. When we can buy the stock on sale at 2%, it's like when you go to the store and you see something on sale and instead of buying one of them, you know you're gonna use it, you buy two of them. You always wanna get stock on sale. How do you know you're gonna get it on sale? Well, you set something up like systematic investment. Well, what happens if it doesn't get 10% over time? Well, you can also lose your money too. No risk, no reward. And that's what that expression means. Now, normally the stock market, let me say that again, it's not normally, historically, the stock market's done around 10% from my research. Go talk to a financial advisor, they can tell you all that information. So let's say putting all your eggs in one basket, one stock is just too risky for you and you wanna own a lot of stock, but you don't have a lot of money to own a lot of stock. Well, there is the coolest financial vehicle out there. I hope you know about it. If you don't, I'm gonna tell you about it. It's called a mutual fund. And a mutual fund has a fund manager and their job is to manage the fund that you were investing in. So in the scenario we just said, you owned one stock and it was very volatile. If it all went away, there was all your money. However, in a mutual fund, they are gonna own hundreds or thousands of stocks. They also own bonds. We haven't talked about that yet, we will. And there are a team of people that are watching over those funds to make sure that they're performing correctly. They're looking at all the stocks. They're looking at all the bonds. They're making sure that they are playing nice with others. And if they're not, they're making decisions. They're figuring out what to buy low, what to sell high, and that's their job. They're having meetings to make sure that they're all working well with each other. Folks, we just don't have time to do that. And let's face it, most of us don't have the knowledge to do that so when you invest in a mutual fund, say we did that same $1,000 and then we invested systematically, 
we're getting all of the professional advisors that are within that fund that are buying and selling and making the decisions that, quite frankly, we probably couldn't do within enough time to really make it worthwhile. And we don't have the experience. I love the mutual fund for that reason. And like I said, you don't put all your eggs in one basket. And for those of you that are not in the United States, that's an expression that we have that if you put everything into one thing and that one thing doesn't go well, well, you don't have anything anymore. So the mutual fund definitely helps with that. And those fund managers are rated and graded on how well they do by managing those funds. And guess what? Just like you, if you didn't do your job correctly, they'll get fired. I just think mutual funds are something that everybody should look into. And whenever you buy mutual funds or stocks, and we're getting ready to talk about bonds, well, let's talk about stocks specifically. Somebody will say, you need to go out and buy X company. And then you look at it and it's doing pretty well. You look at it next week and it's done even better and you start seeing all the money you would have made had you put the money in the previous time. So you still wait a little bit and it's just going up again. You're thinking, oh my gosh, I've wasted all this potential money. I'm going to buy it today. Well, so is everybody else. And what happens is if there is any correction, that's a nice way to say that it's going to start going down, you're now going to look that you put X amount of money in and it's worth less. You get scared and you sell that so you don't lose any more. That's what the average person does. And that is where you actually lose money. Again, that's also why I don't think you should start out just buying stocks. You should put your money in mutual funds. So you don't have to worry about all that. But if you were to sell when it goes down, you turned a paper loss or a statement loss into an actual loss and you really did lose your money. Now, when you work with a financial advisor, they can tell you when to buy things, when to sell things, when to hold things. And when you put your money into a mutual fund, that just happens as part of the job. So don't get scared. If, if you're scared of the market, definitely don't do it alone. Make sure you're using one of the wonderful advisors out there and they can help you. But folks, this is one of the only ways that you're going to be able to get your money to work as hard as you do. I say one of the only ways. There's thousands of vehicles out there. This is one of the easiest ways that you can do that. Now, let's talk about what I mentioned just a second ago, and that was bonds. Now, earlier, I said there were two ways that you can make your money work hard for you. You can either own something or you can loan something. So own it or loan it. Now we're going to talk about loaning. Simply put, when you put your money into your checking or savings account, you are loaning the bank that money. Did you know that? They're using your money to go out to loan to other people that they are going to charge those people, those companies interest on, and that's how a bank makes money. Now, most banks will pay you some interest for putting your money in that bank. It's probably 0.1%, maybe a little bit better than that. Trust me, the loans that they are getting are a lot more than that. So if you have a large sum of money in the bank, 
one, never put any more than what's insured. And two, your money's not working hard for you. So talk with a financial advisor and figure out where the best place is to put your money. When we talk about loans, specifically, we're talking about bonds. So let's go out and buy our own loans and not just put our money in a checking account and have the bank do it for us where we're not getting paid for it. When you buy a bond, you are buying someone else's debt. And the big ones that we're going to talk about today are corporate bonds and municipal bonds. So normally corporate bonds are just called bonds and municipal bonds you might hear called muni bonds. But all that is, is somebody needs money to go do something with that money and you're going to loan it to them in the form of a bond. Now, these bonds are rated from a category. The best bond you can get is a triple A rating. I wouldn't say the worst bond you can get, probably the most risky, that's a better word, bond that you can get is a triple C bond. And if you've ever heard the term junk bond, anything under a triple B rating, that's called a junk bond. Okay, what does all that mean? Well, there's this group out there that rates all of these bonds and figures out how able the people that own the debt, the companies that own the debt in this bond are able to repay that bond. Now, obviously, the higher their ability to repay that, and they have a whole bunch of tests that they do to figure that out, the higher it is, the higher it's scored. So somebody with a stellar score that you know it's going to get paid back, most likely, it's going to be a triple A rating. Now, something you're taking a huge risk on would be down at a triple C, and of course, we call that junk bond. So bigger risk, bigger reward, and that's what you're doing there. Now, I also mentioned municipal bonds. So uh, regular bonds with companies, municipal bonds are with governments. Governments now need funds to go build a building, build a road, build a bridge, whatever it is. So they're going to sell bonds so you can help raise funds for them. Those bonds will be rated and you normally will get some sort of tax benefit for that. So because you're helping the government out, your tax burden will be lessened to encourage you to do that. Now, hopefully that's not too confusing, but you can make money by either owning something or loaning something. And the easiest ways to own something, of course, outside of your house, I would say is a mutual fund because that owns a lot of stocks. It also has a lot of bonds. And then the way that we loan something, other than just leaving money in our bank, is we have some sort of bonds. The mutual fund is a great pairing of both of those with somebody every single day watching over to make sure everybody's playing well with each other. So I hope hearing these, hearing some of these basics, you're thinking, hey, this isn't that hard. And folks, it's not. It's more intimidating than it needs to be, but trust me, when you pay yourself first, most people pay their bills first. If you can learn to pay yourself first and then everything else comes off of that, 
it will totally change the options that you have as you live your life. One more thing that I want to talk to you about, and Scotty Neal mentioned this in episode 185, it's the rule of 72. And it's just neat. My grandfather taught it to me, and I just want to share it with you. You can listen to Scotty talk about it as well. But let's say you want to know how long it's going to take you to double your money. Well, you use the rule of 72. So let's use what we just talked about with that $1,000 at 10%. How long will it take us to double our money? So the rule of 72 says we take 72 and we divide it by the rate of return that we're getting. So if I divide 72 by 10, because we're getting 10%, it will take me 7.2 years to double my money. Just a really quick and easy way for you to see what that actually means, how much that cup of coffee is really costing you because you're not allowing your money to work hard for you. And Nation, the reason I'm talking about this is because so many of you thanked me or asked more questions when I've had some financial information on this podcast. Let's face it. We are industrial water treaters, and that is not an easy job. That is a very hard job. We work hard. We need to make sure that our money is working equally as hard as we do, because if we make decisions today that will allow us to make better decisions tomorrow, we can probably deal with some of those decisions today. Dave Ramsey has a lot of sayings around this. I'm a big fan of his. So if you have any issues or just want to learn more about budgeting and finance, go to Dave Ramsey's website. We'll have that linked on our podcast show notes. And of course, if you do not have a financial advisor, there's so many wonderful financial advisors out there. Ask some of your friends. And if you have a 401k, there's probably an administrator that comes in to help your company with all that there's probably a financial advisor attached to that. So that's at least a starting point to talk with somebody. And trust me, they would love to have this conversation with you. Well, Nation, I hope this is helpful. I'd love to hear if you're starting to do these things. Not easy at first, but it changes everything in the long run. Nation, I am so excited that in just two weeks, we are going to be celebrating Industrial Water Week. Yes, that is an entire week to celebrate us as industrial water treaters. We're going to celebrate pre-treatment on Monday. We're going to celebrate boilers on Tuesday, cooling on Wednesday. Thursday, we're celebrating wastewater. And then Friday, the most awesome career in the world is water treatment, a whole day devoted to careers. I hope you help me celebrate by each and every day, whatever the theme is. If we're on pre-treatment, hashtag a picture of your favorite water softener. On Boiler Tuesday, hashtag a picture of your favorite boiler. You get the idea, your cooling tower, maybe your favorite wastewater plant. 
On Friday, is there somebody that's inspired you in the water treatment industry? Maybe do a quick post about that. Maybe have a picture of them. Let's inspire each other with the people that have inspired us. And of course, that hashtag is IWW22. That stands for Industrial Water Week. So remember, hashtag IWW22. I love it when we do this each and every year because it just reminds me how big the Scaling Up Nation is, how big the entire water treatment community is. And we know that we are not alone. We are part of a community. That community, if you're listening to this podcast, is called the Scaling Up Nation. And Nation, I cannot wait to talk to you next week with a brand new episode. Take care, folks. Scaling Up Nation, life is too short to do it alone. And that's why I have been in a mastermind for over a decade. It's why I started the Rising Tide Mastermind, and it's why the Rising Tide Mastermind is so successful. You do not need to face your problems alone. You don't need to face your issues alone. You can learn from others' experiences so you don't have to repeat their mistakes and you can get further faster because others are giving you a hand. To find out more, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind to see if this is the right group for you.